Now, we must all fear evil men. But there is another kind of evil which we must fear most. And that is the indifference of good men. This is a Voice in the Wilderness podcast. Today's topic, and this is this is going to be real easy. Normally I have to think about how I'm going to word my topic. Today's topic is why I am so brutal on Santos. But first a prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, Amen. All that I am, all that I have, all that I do shall be consecrated to the service, honor, and glory and exaltation of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, the Sacred Heart of Jesus, and the Heavenly Kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray, Immaculate Heart of Mary, please pray for us. Sacred Heart of Jesus, please pray for us. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, Amen. Once again, I have to give all the credit to Lord Jesus, the Blessed Mother, and the Holy Ghost. Because, honestly speaking, when I got up this morning, I I wasn't even going to record anything. Because I just, honestly speaking, nothing really spoke to me. And within the span of about an hour and a half, um, the Lord Jesus and His Blessed Mother have given me two topics of inspiration. And I got to give them all the thanks and the praise for that. I really do. Now, I got a lot that I need to cover here and I'm not exactly sure how I should start so if this seems a little rambly just try to bear with me because it should bear fruit Lord willing of course I haven't recorded in two or three days and yesterday yesterday kind of got got away from me and as I said in, in the last episode, um, I was re-listening to some stuff I had recorded on my original podcast that was like the last, I want to say, 10 or 15 episodes. And I came across my last rant, which would have been rant number 11. Remember, I'm I'm not talking about this particular podcast. I'm talking about the original. The last rant I did was rant number 11. And this had been recorded in early July. We're, We're talking a month ago. And I I gotta say, because as I said in my last episode, um occasionally I do go back and re-listen to these to see where I can tighten stuff up. And even I was kind of taken aback by how brutal I was. In particular on Set of a Contest. 
Now, uh, let me finish my thought here, and then I'll I'll get deeper into this. I, I was actually taken aback myself at at how brutal I was, but at the same token, and I'm talking about my initial reaction. This has been the first time I'd listened to that episode. At the same token, because normally, if I know, if I absolutely know that I'm in the wrong, if I do a later episode, I will apologize. But while I'm listening to it, I'm, I'm, I'm taken aback by the harshness, but at the same token, I'm thinking, yeah, um... Yeah, uh, I'm not going to apologize for this one. This this needed to be said, and it, it was exactly what was needed, is, is my attitude. Now, because I'm not getting any audience feedback, I have no idea if this is actually getting across to any set of contests. I, I state throughout both of my podcasts that I don't think I, I get any set of a contest. And quite frankly, with True Restoration Radio and uh, Norvis Ordo Watch, with those two big uh, thousand pound gorillas in a very small room, a guy like me can't expect the message to get out. So, I guess the attitude I have to take is that when God wants this to get to the set of a contest, it will. But anybody who may be a regular listener, and I happen to know that one of my listeners, because he's, you know, I consider him a friend. He, he has, he's a set of a contest and he has listened to some of this stuff. Or actually, as near as I can tell, he's probably listened to like 90% of my material. And I feel like this needs to be said. When the time comes, the actual set of a contest actually starts listening to both of these podcasts. This is, this is an explanation why when I talk about set of a contest, why I, I, I literally sound like a Marine boot camp drill sergeant or an Army uh, basic training drill sergeant. It really offends my sense of propriety. Once again, I will explain. For those of you do, who do not understand the word propriety, I'm saying my sense of right and wrong. It really offends my sense of right and wrong. When I see people doing things or doing and saying things that they should know better. 
Now, I understand implicitly, implicitly, that part of the, the issue of modern era is, is that society has degenerated to such a degree that even people who grew up, who grow up or are raised in better material and in some cases spiritual circumstances that I do are going to be infected with this attitude. But it really offends my sense of right and wrong when people who grew up and this, as I said, I'm, I'm not going to make this about me, but who grew up in a stable household. And I'm, uh, I'm just going off of the base assumption. Not all said of a contest, but I would say, I would say probably 90% of them grew up with two parents in a household. And I don't care if you grew up with the two parents but weren't said of a contest. Just the fact that you had two parents, if they didn't neglect you, if they didn't abuse you, if they taught you right from wrong, but you in your own way ended up taking a wrong turn, you're starting off on, on a leg that, that, that uh, I have to say that I didn't grow up under. Now, I always say, if you see anything good in me personally, and this, this isn't just on my podcast, I, I've, you know, when I deal with people in the outside world, I say, look, if you see anything good in me, it's not me, it's Jesus Christ and his blessed mother. And that's the literal God's honest truth. Because that's not me. Everything that I've had to learn in life, part of it is my own drawbacks as a person. Faults. Sins. Part of it is that. Other part of it, though, is just experiences. Hard experiences. And I'd be the first to admit that I'd be the first to admit that um, the reason why I've had to learn things the hard way, and when I mean the hard way, as I said in my previous episode, talk to any former drunk, former druggie, um, former criminal, and they will tell you that they, I, I, I'm 90% certain they would tell you that People in their lives had tried to get them out of what they were doing and they wouldn't listen. Uh, that's exactly me in a nutshell. People, I've had people in my life try to point me in the right direction and I would not listen to them. Because I thought, you know, uh, I'm sure you've heard me use the expression the smartest guy in the room. I, 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 I lived that that expression you know i was literally the smartest guy in the room and when i say the smartest guy 
I'm not talking necessarily in the intellectual sense because I at least had enough self-awareness to understand that no, I, I'm, I'm not Einstein, I'm, I'm not some intellectual. When I say the smartest guy in the room, I felt like when it came to me, I knew myself well enough to know myself that anything that they were saying to me, and I'm not saying this was right. As a matter of fact, I'm saying this is wrong. I knew myself well enough. I knew what I was doing with, you know, I knew myself well enough to know, you know, whether or not a particular course of action I was taking was the correct one. And I had to learn the hard way that, you know, even though at the time I thought that I was doing the right thing, um, it later turned out through hard experience that no, uh, I was doing the wrong thing and they were right and I was wrong. And part of this also was, and I can't stress this enough, in, in the case, in, in some cases, some of the things I were doing, I knew, I knew implicitly that I was going down the wrong path. But I did it anyway. Because for whatever reason at the time, I thought, even though I knew what I was doing was wrong, I went ahead and did it anyway because in my, in my ignorance... And in my, uh, let's, let's just be honest, in my stubbornness, I couldn't see any other different way of doing things. Now, that's just giving you a background of why when I see people doing things and I say they should know better, and they literally should. Because anybody who's a regular listener will know, I say ad nauseum. I never, I mean, I had examples in my life, but because of my circumstances, these were not permanent people. These were not permanent role models. They were briefly in my life. They... They gave me a good example and I tried to take things from them that I that they they given me. But I did not have an example of a good parent. And I realize in today's day and age, even you know, what what should be a no-brainer that the parents should set a good example, and I would say 90% of the cases don't. They fail their kids. But it offends my sense of right and wrong when people who have had advantages that I have not had do things that even I, in my worst state, in my lowest of my low state, 
If I had known them personally, I would have said, dude, what are you doing, man? What? Why are you saying, why are you doing this? And once again, because one of the people I'm thinking about is one of my favorite podcasters. I would say I've led an interesting life. I would say he has led an adventurous life. And he, he, you know, there's a reason I like him. I like his approach and I like his outlook because we are similar in that regard. One advantage that he had, though, was that he had parents in his life. Um, but the reason why I get harsh on set of a contest, in particular, in particular set of a contest, who not only had the advantage of being raised in a set of a contest household. Now, when I say this, I'm, I'm assuming that their parents were at least trying to put the practices of the pre-Vatican II Catholicism, they were actually trying to practice what they were preaching. So, they had that good example. So when I see Sedvacantis from a decent background acting no better than people who I hold in contempt, and when I say this, I'm not I'm I'm, I'm talking about secular people who are totally worldly acting no better than a person who does literally is ignorant. That is that offends my sense of right and wrong. And I want to get into briefly as I can, you should know better. Despite Despite my background, a lot of people when I was coming up, and when I say coming up, I mean prior to me graduating high school, one of the things I was told ad nauseum was, you should know better. Now, I am going to, in, in all charity, I have to say, given the time and circumstances that we live under, Apparently, you should know better is something that a lot of people who are parents either haven't heard of or don't get the concept of. I, on the other hand, was brought up, you should know better. And honestly speaking, the concept of you should know better, to me, is a concept that any relatively um, intelligent person, and not just a relatively intelligent person, but anybody with a sense of right and wrong should understand that concept. It's not a deep concept. Once again, it goes back to, uh, 
I, I picked up this Mexican proverb from uh, a secular offer that I read. Uh, there's a there's a uh, there's a Mexican proverb that states even the most stupid bird knows how to fly. And for those of you, the the concept may be too subtle, like whatever. If you don't understand what they're saying here, I'm going to bottom line it for you. You can be... Let me put it to you this way. The most hardened criminal in, in maximum security prison knows right from wrong. And when I say this, I'm not saying that they don't make up rationalizations for doing what they did but I'm saying in their core in their core they know right from wrong and they know at their core whether they want to admit it or not they know what they did was wrong they know literal right and from from wrong and when I see set of when I see set of contest acting like heathens or no better than heathens, they should know better. And see, I, I'm I'm not going to blame a lot. It, it, it's popular nowadays to blame the parents, and don't get me wrong. A lot of parents should be excoriated. Once again, 10 cent word. Should be yelled at or uh, told that they're wrong if they haven't taught their kids this very basic premise that you should know better. Especially if that parent is a set of a contest. You should know better. This is not a deep concept. This, you, you don't need to be a uh, theologian or a, a, a prelate or a priest to get the concept that you should teach your kids that, you know, if they, if they do something, if, if they're acting like a little heathen, to take them aside and say, you know better, knock it off, stop this. And it, I ain't going to lie, it absolutely makes me want to put my fist through a wall when I see set of a contest online act like that somehow that there's something special, like they are literally God's chosen person because they're a set of a contest. And they never give the thought that this is not a state of being. You are not anything special. God has given you a grace. And you should literally know better if you do not understand this concept. Because once again, I'm a simple guy and I speak in simple terms. This is, this is a very basic concept, the set of a contism. You are nothing special. You're no better than me. 
And I'm not claiming to be anything special. So when I see said vacantists online treat what is a gift from a literal gift from God, like, yeah, yeah, this is the way it's always supposed to be, man. I'm just and and <clears throat> because my parents and my grandparents are sevacantists. Uh, this is, you know, I, I'm, I'm the chosen people. And not to make this too... Um, not to make this too spiritual, but that's why Jesus was getting on the... Uh, not just Jesus, John the Baptist himself. Because if you remember in the Gospels, the Pharisees went to John the Baptist and they were asking him. They were like, are you the one sent by God? And John the Baptist, who, man, I love the dude. I, 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 I would have loved to have been actually, well, I won't get into that whole thing, but he turns to them and he says, don't say to yourself, we are sons of Abraham. For God himself can raise these very stones to be sons of Abraham. In other words, if you're self-satisfied, if you're complacent, because you were raised in a set of a contest household, thinking that you're something special because you were that way and somehow you feel set apart from the rest of humanity because of this fact, that comment is aimed at you. God himself, if it pleased him, could literally make the rocks in the trees set of a contest if you're not living up to your spiritual duty. And it offends my sense of propriety when people get puffed up and proud about something, number one, that they have no control over. It's a literal gift from God and they don't even have enough spiritual sense to recognize it. But number two, they, 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 they don't do, they're not doing the duties that Jesus Christ and his blessed mother, for that matter, the pre-Vatican II council Catholic church laid out for them. And they're not doing it. They're not living those duties. I, once again, I'm not going to apologize when I, when I literally wig out on these people. Because you deserve to be wigged out on. Because if you had been raised better, I, once again, I'm not, this is, this is not saying all said contests weren't raised right. Some were. I'm saying for those of you who were literally raised in the most 
The only way I can put it is, you were actually raised in circumstances that I would literally kill to have been raised under. But yet, your behavior does not mirror these, these things. And quite frankly, I'm going to be brutally honest, some of you guys don't act any better than I acted who who had a lot more disadvantages than you did than 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 you did and you're not acting any better than me at my lowest point and once again for the sake of truth I'm going to tell you flat out that at my lowest point I was I, I was the lowest of the low. And I make no excuses for myself in that regard. The only thing though at this point, and I'm talking present moment at this moment, is not to go back to what I was. And I try, you know, and I don't give a dang if you believe me or not. I try not to go back to that. But it offends my sense of right and wrong when I see people who, who should know better not doing this. Who take this gift of God, this literal gift of God, and abuse it. Take it for granted. Because you literally had advantages that... Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, if, if I could kill to get those things without incurring God's wrath, I would literally do it. Now, I do understand about divine providence and this is what I went through was necessary. But that doesn't mean as a human being that I, I, that I can't get offended when people who had advantages that I never have act, act no better than I did at my lowest heathen state. And, you know, quite frankly, if you grew up with, if you grew up with advantages that a lot of, yeah, I'm going to say it, a lot of people didn't have and you're not setting the example even though you're in a position to set that example then yes I'm going to wig out I'm literally going to wig out on you because once again I'm a simple man and I speak in simple concepts this is the, the simplest concept of pre-Vatican II Catholicism. Is that we are to set the example to our friends and neighbors who are unbelievers or who are ignorant. And if you're not acting any better than they are, you're wrong. You can rationalize it. You can get puffed up. You can disregard what I'm saying. I don't give a dang. It's your soul. But you're going to have to answer for it. 
If you're not living up to the oath that you took to Jesus Christ, his blessed mother, the heavenly kingdom, and the one true Catholic church, you're no better. You are no better than the worst of the worst sinner. You're no better than the crack whore. You are no better than a hopeless drunk. You are no better than a hopelessly addicted drug addict. You are no better than the convict serving 30 years to life in the state penitentiary maximum security for whatever crime he might have committed. Murder, robbery, rape. You're no better. And if you can't understand that simple of a concept, that's not on me. And you can blame me all you want to. You can blame the tone. You, you know, that's rationalization. At the bottom line, it's rationalization. Whenever you hear truth and you rationalize excuses for why you're not doing that truth when you should know better, it, it's, honestly speaking, it's inexcusable. There's literally no excuse. And by the way, you know, I know I say this ad nauseum, but it is the truth once again. What would you rather hear? What would you rather hear? Would you rather hear my harsh words and my harsh tone now while you still have a chance to get your life in order? Or to go before your God, who you claim you love, and hear these words. And by the way, these aren't my words. These are literally taken from the New Testament. Go away, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. What would you rather hear? You know, our jobs... Our, I'm sorry, our job as set of a contest is to not make excuses for ourselves in anything. I don't care if it's spiritual. I don't care if it's secular. I don't care if it's personal. Our job is to face the hard facts of life about ourselves Whatever the issue may be, recognizing these hard truths and not just playing lip service to saying, well, yeah, I need it, but actually doing it. Like I said, as near as I can tell, the only set of accountants who listens to either of my podcasts is is my friend who, you know, honestly speaking, I, he's a blessing to me in ways that he doesn't even realize. And I'll leave it at that. And I honestly believe if the, if what, if the things I have said through these two podcasts, if it is God's will that they get out to actual set of contests, they will. They will. If it isn't, well, and I, trust me, this is one of my failings, 
many failings, I might add, my multitude of failings, that I have to remind myself every day that humanity is God's. It's not just me. It's the entire of humanity. And because God made us as individuals, he'll deal with us as individuals. So if the people that need to hear what I've been saying don't get what I'm saying, if, if God does not in his, in his um, divine providence, they don't get this message, he will, they will get it. They just may not get it from me, but they will get it. Just like the messages right now that for whatever reason, spiritual blindness, uh, um, oh, I wish I could think of the theological uh, concupiscence. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Through concupiscence or whatever that I'm not receiving, God's going to make sure that I get them when I need to get them. But they will get them. But as long as long as I continue to see bad behavior, I am going to call it out. And I don't care if you're set of a contest, I don't care if you're atheist or agnostic. I don't care if you're secular, I don't care if you're Protestant, and I don't care if you're Vatican II or a Neo-Trad LARPer. I'm going to call it out when I see it. And to close this out, another thing that makes me want to put my head through a wall is when I see said Vacantis and and in particular, I'm talking about the, the the podcasters who are living their lives right now with no regard. You know, they're acting like nothing's changed. They're acting like it's still 2015. There is a reason I keep bringing up Bernard Utley. I'm sorry, Father Bernard Utley. There's a reason. In 2015, when I was still mirrored in the Vatican II sect, lies and heresies, falsehoods, he was, he just didn't confine himself to, to saying this on his podcast series on True Restoration Radio. He was saying this he, he was giving talks to the CMRI people. And he was telling them, you know, we cannot go back to the 1950s. We cannot go back to the 1700s. We are in the times we are living in. And it really, really frustrates me when, people, when I see Sedvacantus podcasters Act like it's still the early 1990s and nothing has changed in 30 years. You know, I, I, like I said, I have to keep reminding myself that God deals with us as individuals. So, if I, you know, if I'm going to live the practice of divine providence, 
my operating assumption has to be that they're doing what they're doing because that's what God wants them to do. But to me personally, as, as a human being, flawed and failed that I am, it gets frustrating. Because it's like Father Bernard Utley, and by the way, he's not the only one. But it's like he's talking to air. He's literally talking to air like I am. You know, at least he got to actually speak before Sedvacantis. And while I'm at this, I'm going to add another thing. I've listened to his podcast series, which is 16 episodes long, at least four or five times. And when this particular thing happened during his, ep- uh, his series... And you got to bear in mind, he did his series back in 2015 and 16. And I had only be started, you know, getting serious about my Catholicism last year. Um, but as soon as this, this particular aspect of Sedvacantism raised its ugly head... I, I I just knew instinctively. It was like, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, okay. I'm not surprised by this. And I wasn't. Given my my interaction with Sedvacantis online before I even got serious about this. But it, okay, to dismiss me, an ill-educated, rude layman, and I literally mean rude, is one thing. But to, to question a Sedvacantist priest, a Sedvacantist priest of over 20 years of pastoral and um, religious experience, because not only is he a priest, he's a monk. In, in the Middle Ages, he would have been known what is known as a friar. Because that was the term for a monk who had actually taken priestly vows. Was a friar. To question him. And this, is, this is as a layperson. You're so puffed up and full of yourselves. That you think it's okay to question a man of 20 years experience. Now, for my regular listeners, I know that I've said in previous episodes about certain prelates. I'm getting to that. But to have the same arrogance, the same arrogance, when I do the same thing. And by the way, by the way, what offended me about these laymen questioning Father Bernard Utley was not the fact that Bernard Utley was acting, um, uh, was acting in a non, non, uh, way publicly online, and they were calling him out for it. They were literally questioning his theological his theological credentials. To do that and then to turn around and act butthurt at me 
when an actual sedvacantist prelate, when I'm not, I'm, I'm not questioning his theology. Any of my regular listeners will tell you that I've always said when it comes to matters of theology, canon law, philosophy, I consider the man a giant among men. I was merely pointing out his literal bad behavior online. And, in case, you know, it's, it, it, it's, a, it's a comment on the state of society that I should even have to make this point clear. When I say bad behavior, that's not the same thing as bad theology. Bad theology is bad theology. Bad behavior means you're acting in a bad way publicly. In case I, I shouldn't even need to make the distinction. You should have enough critical thinking skills to get that concept. But apparently, a lot of people don't. Not everybody, mind you, but a certain segment. I've literally got to spell it out for you. Some of you, not everybody. So, um, yeah, this is not hypocrisy on my part when I get mad at people questioning a Sedvacantist religious of 20 years experience who are, have the brass, the brass monkeys to question his theological credentials. And by the way, the material he uses on that podcast are all, all have imprimaturs. Now I do realize I have said, and I, I stay by this, that I have noticed some questionably, theologically questionable things with imprimaturs. But let's just say the thing that he was quoting that had an imprimatur was theologically, I'm sorry, theologically questionable. Let's just say that. Okay, fine. That does not, he's quoting from what YouTube would call an approved source. If he's quoting from that, it does not necessarily, and by the way, he makes this point clear in his series, that if it has an imprimatur and he's quoting from it, it doesn't necessarily mean that everything that's in that particular book he agrees with. Once again, it pains me that I should even need to make this statement. The same thing is also true for me. The things that I question, or I'm sorry, the things that I, that the materials I use from, just because I'm quoting from that material does not mean that I agree with everything that is in that book. Because like it or not, modernists have been in the Catholic Church prior to Vatican II. You should have enough brain cells to understand the reason we got Vatican II is that we've had modernists inside the Catholic Church for a long, long time. 
even before the 1700s. You don't need a PhD in theology to figure it out. You don't need to be a seminary professor to figure that out. If you, if you have been given common reasoning skills, this should be evident. Um, the, the, that, the, one last thing before I close this out. A lot of the grief that I received on Twitter, and on, I was basically on Set of Contest Twitter, my last foray out, was that they literally held me in contempt because I was daring to question questionable things that were written in books with imprimaturs. Now, you know, once again, once again, this offends my sense of right and wrong. Just because... A, a, a book has an imprimatur doesn't make everything in the book 100% good. And anybody who takes their Catholic faith seriously should know this. Now, I, you know, think of me what you want. I've read the Baltimore Catechism. I've read a lot of Bal uh, pre-Vatican II catechisms. The imprimatur and the censor's imprimatur are to say that, in general, these things are ex uh, safe for Catholics to read. Now, there's two points that I'm going to get at. Number one, when you become baptized, when you become confirmed, into the pre-Vatican II Catholic Church, you don't check your brain out at the door. You, you, don't, you don't keep the mindset that, well, it's got an imprimatur, it's got the census approval, everything in it is 100% good to go, and anyone who questions it is either a heretic or a moron. And... The part that really frustrated me when I was on Twitter is it wasn't as if I was pointing out theologically questionable. I wasn't saying the book itself was theologically questionable. I'm, I was saying, and I was literally pointing out literally that there were aspects of a particular book that were questionable. And I, in addition to doing that, because like I said, I was receiving blowback. And I kept pointing out to them about how masonry, the reason that Vatican II happened was through masonry. And once again, you don't need to be a theologian, you don't need to be a PhD, and you don't need 
uh, to be a seminary professor to figure out that if we got Vatican II through Masonic infiltration, that there were going to be modernists, whether they knew it or not, which is another thing I've, I've said ad nauseum, that they would not say that questionable things wouldn't be slipped into approved Catholic documents. Just because you are confirmed and baptized into the true Catholic Church does not mean you get to check your brain at the door. Does not mean you get to, to check your, um, your um, critical thinking skills at the door. Does, I talked about this in one of my earlier episodes, not just in this uh, podcast, but in my uh, original podcast, that the, one, of the, one of the biggest hurdles of modern day society is people mindlessly consume what they read. And instead of doing their due diligence, and if something seems questionable, looking into it, they just, whoa, so-and-so said it, they're an improved source, or so-and-so said it, oh, I'm going to take it as gospel. That's the exact wrong attitude to have if you're going to be serious about your faith. And there's no other way to put it. You don't get to check your mind out at the door. To do so goes back to the Protestant heresy of, oh, I'm going to take a leap of faith. That's the antithesis of pre-Vatican II Catholicism. Once again, Jesus said in the gospel according to St. Matthew, we are to be wise as serpents and gentle as doves. Now, these are the recorded literal words of Jesus Christ. And what he's literally saying is, we're supposed to be skeptical. We are supposed to be skeptical. Now, Try to, try to stick with me here, if you can, if you're capable of it. Now, in the early church, who had the literal apostles teaching them, or for that matter, prior, prior to Martin Luther, when the church was more or less orthodox, although anybody who's familiar with their church history knows there were multiple heresies prior to Martin Luther. There's a reason why St. Pope Pius X said that Protestantism was the synthesis of all heresies. And if I'm not mistaken, I think Martin Luther admitted that he, would, it, he admitted somewhere in one of his multitude of vomitous writings, he admitted that he that he was in agreement with some out-and-out -out heretics. So, bearing that in mind, prior to Martin Luther, 
And you also have to bear in mind, too, as I, you know, which is said of a contest, you're so proud about your knowledge of church history, you should know the majority of the population was illiterate anyway. So, even if they're, if their priest or their confessor was an out-and-out heretic or just flat-out ignorant, if, if they went along with that, you know, they have less to answer for than the, uh, the heretic or the ignorant um, priest who taught them the garbage. But... Prior to Martin Luther revolting, um, there was a literal reason why, um, why the Protestant revolt was so damaging. The point I'm trying to get to is, is after the Protestant revolt, to mindlessly consume everything that's put out under an imprimatur and a censor's uh, stamp is not prudent. It's not prudent. Try to follow me here. If the same Catholic Church and a Catholic friar, monk, priest revolted, this same church if it gave us Martin Luther, there are going to be other Martin Luthers within the church. Once again, not a deep concept. Not a deep concept. You don't need a PhD to figure this out. So no, not everything that got a censor's stamp is going to be safe. Or, once again... This this goes back to prudence and using your common reason. Is having the spiritual discernment to recognizing what is actually what the Catholic Church teaches and problematic theologically. And to also understand that the person that wrote the book, or for that matter, gave it the stamp of approval, um was necessarily a heretic or had bad intentions, but for whatever reason, they allowed the question questionable or problematic, whatever term you want to use, stuff to get in there. And... I'm going to put this disclaimer before I close out. And this is more for the benefit of my new listeners. If you're a regular listener, you've heard me say this ad nauseum. I'm not claiming. I'm not claiming to be as smart as St. Thomas Aquinas. I'm not claiming to be as smart as St. Jerome. I'm not claiming to be as holy as St. Catherine of Siena. I'm not claiming to be as holy as St. Louis de Montfort. I'm not claiming to be as holy as St. Gertrude the Great. I'm making, I am literally not making any 
authoritative claims for myself. What I'm saying, once again, I, I will go before any, and I literally mean this, I will go before any um, for lack of a better term, I'll say tribunal and put forward my materials for, for perusal. Honestly speaking, I don't think that that day may ever come, but through God's providence, it may. Because I'm going to tell you something before I close this out. Anybody who's familiar with their church history and the, the biographies of the saints will tell you that there have been mistaken Catholics. And when I say Catholics, I'm not talking about lay people. I'm talking about literal um, uh, people within the hierarchy who, through whatever reason, have leveled questionable uh, accusations against people who were literally preaching the truth. And in that regard, my two main examples would be St. John of the Cross and St. Teresa of Avila, who, by the way, were counterparts. Um... I believe at one time St. Teresa of Avila actually trained St. John of the Cross in spirituality, if I'm not mistaken. If I am, I'll admit the error. But both of them ran afoul of the Spanish Inquisition. Well, in John, St. John of the Cross's case, he ran afoul of the Spanish Inquisition and was actually jailed for his spiritual writings. Because some mistaken guy in the Spanish Inquisition thought, well, not just one, several, thought that he was trying to teach innovation. When in fact, there was no innovation in what he taught. It was the continuation of the truths of the Catholic Church. In St. Teresa's case, she ran afoul of the local bishop. And the local bishop tried to get her removed as the abbess of the Carmelite order. So, and honestly speaking, you don't, I don't even need to use the example of the saints to point this, this fact out. I just need to show you a present day example of the multitude of set of contest organizations we have, and even though we share the same belief that Vatican II was is heretical, the inner fighting between the priests and prelates of all the different set of contest organizations, and the set of contest the people who call themselves set of contest laymen, who fight publicly online. And one last thing before I close this out. I promise this will be it. Um, it has been prophesied. Not just in the New Testament by St. Paul. But by several Catholic mystics 
and saints with the gift of prophecy throughout the history of the Catholic Church that in the end days, Catholics, then when I say Catholics, I'm obviously talking about true Catholics, will turn on each other. Now, the reason I'm bringing this up is there's a reason I keep stressing unity. There's a reason I keep stressing unity among said vacantes. There is a reason why I say said vacantism isn't about personalities, but about Jesus Christ's revealed truths on earth. Now, if you're too worldly and too narcissistic to get this next point, that's on you. There's going to come a time when the forces of evil in this world are going to concentrate their wrath on the one true church on earth. And if you are not unified in purpose and in the truth, you are going to get picked apart. So, once again, you don't need a PhD in theology to figure this out. And by the way, I'm going to make this, this, this disclaimer and then I'm going to close out. You don't have to take my word for it. You said of a conscience. You don't have to take my word for it. How about cracking a book and actually reading these things? Because as I never get tired of saying, everything that I say on these podcasts, they're not from me. These are things that I've read and heard from, in the case of books, traditional Catholic saints and authors, spiritual authors. And in the case of uh, podcasts, from literal set of contest priests and prelates. So you take it for what it's worth. And I will warn you, you dismiss these at your own peril. You know, while it's safe and comfortable, it's very easy to s dismiss what I'm saying as the rantings of a uh, half-cocked, overzealous, um, uh, uh, new Catholic, new convert. Very easy to do that. But if you get sent to a death camp, if you get if you get sent into one of their torture chambers, which will be as clean and sanitized as a laboratory, it's too late for recriminations at that point. It's too late. The best you can do is hope for God, uh, God and His Blessed Mother to give you an absolute singular grace of courage and fortitude. Because at that point, you're going to need them. So, as they never get tired of saying, you take that for what it's worth. So to close out, I'm not going to apologize for being hard on you guys. And when I say you guys, I'm talking about said vacantes. Because as I never get tired of saying, I could show, I could show charity to people who are genuinely ignorant. But if you know better, I'm going to show you no mercy. And just as a reminder, 
you know. Well, that's not very, that's not very uh, Catholic of you. Do you think your enemies, I mean, your actual enemies, not what you think of as your enemies, do you think that they're going to be <laughs> more merciful towards you? Because if you're under that delusion, you're, you're, you're going to find out probably when it's too late that you're mistaken. And if you guys don't unite in common purpose, if you don't quit this bickering online, like I said, and those of you who actually are blessed enough with an actual set of accountants perish, I want to leave you with this thought. If the actual original infant Catholic church during the pagan Roman persecutions, if they actually had traitors in, within their own ranks who actually uh, betrayed their fellow Catholics, do you expect to be treated any more differently when our turn comes? Just something to think about. I don't care if you've known a person for 20 years. I don't care if that person's your grandparent, uh, godparent. All human beings, if they are not spiritually strong and uh, courageous, are going to break at one point or another. And they'll betray the very people that they love, the very cause that they love, out of weakness. So I don't care if, you know, I, I, I don't care if it's the best man at your wedding. If that guy is not spiritually tough and courageous, when his turn comes, he will turn you over, especially if he's being tortured or his family for that matter. He will turn you in with not a second thought if it'll get the people doing it to stop. One last thought. I promise I'll stop after this. In my, in my secular reading of totalitarian governments, when the government goombas would take a dissident, and when I say dissident, I'm not even really talking about religious dissident. I'm talking about political dissident. And torture them almost to the breaking point and say, well, betray so-and-so and we'll stop. The common theme was, or I should say is, is they will stop for a short period of time and then they will intensify the torture even though they've received what they wanted. Not necessarily because they thought that they could get more information out of the person, because obviously they can't. But they resumed the torture because a torture at his base is a sadist. And a sadist, they don't care. They just like to see suffering and pain. So they'll promise you whatever it is you want to hear to get them to stop and then as soon as they get the hankering of seeing more pain and tort uh, 
agony go on, they will go back to torturing you because they like it. That's it. So, I genuinely thank you for listening. Once again, hour 10. It's okay. I mean, maybe if you're, if you, to those of you a little more impatient, this isn't okay. But if you listened, I'm, I'm grateful. Once again, I don't care what you think. But if you listened, I'm thanking you anyway. I do care about you guys. I do care. Take it for what it's worth. I pray for everybody. I do. And I do want to see as many people get to heaven as possible. So thank you for listening. Especially thank and bless you for your time. I mean it. God bless you. Have a good day. Bye-bye. You people have been chosen to reveal our existence to the world. You will witness what happens here today and you will tell of it later.